This time on Watchers of Tomorrow, Pulaski, the stepmom? Hello, welcome to Watchers of Tomorrow, the sci-fi review and critique show that has some serious daddy issues. My name is Gep, and I'm joined as always by friend and co-host Dr. Izix. Hi! And this week we are doing the the dad the dad episode. The dad episode. You know. Where? You know the dad episode. Yeah, I know you, you know have, this. Where you have a whole bunch of dads and they're kind of just being all like, "Hey sport, let's play some some baseball," right? Yes, the aliens don't know the human concept of dads. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, they reproduce asexually, you see. And they they scan the crew's mind and each one becomes one of the crew's fathers and tries to throw baseballs at them. Only some of them are able to catch because, you know, in the future, we don't learn how to catch. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is not what it's about at all. <laughs> Once again, we've written a more interesting episode. You know, I will say that there is some interesting stuff going on here, but it is a 100% a character episode. There's, you know, no... Uh, Weird alien anomaly of the week. There's no uh, dealing with Romulans or something like that. There's no planet of hats. It's, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're hanging out with some people and uh, people are having um, personal issues. Yeah. And I don't think it's the worst, but it is hamstrung a little bit by some of the dumb that's happening. <laughs> some of the, uh, okay, this is now happening, I guess. <laughs> so uh, this yeah. is the Icarus Factor. You know, because Icarus, he didn't listen to his father and died. Whoops. Uh, so uh, are we going to be flying too close to the sun here? I mean, yeah, they, they could have used that for any number of episodes involving yes. suns and exploding and being clo- too close to same. Yes, uh, though uh, I guess we could we could double entendre this a little bit and uh, we get too close to the son of the dad in the episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we get burned so, as a result, I guess, <laughs> or melt or... Uh, Fall to our death, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he does fall a little bit. <laughs> oh, uh, this was written by David Assel, who wrote stories for The Love Boat and Saint Elsewhere, as well as a lot of other contemporary shows. I guess kind of the Love Boat thing shows through, because, you know, it's just a bunch of people on a ship having interpersonal problems. Indeed. Uh, you know, well, they uh, have written stuff a little bit more uh, recently, the Jade Pendant in 2017, and... Uh, also, uh, Call of the Wild, an episode of that, apparently, back in 2000, even the crime in 2015. So, a little bit here and there, but uh, not a whole lot since Star Trek. Still doing some random junk, but yeah. probably nothing recently, given everyone's on strike. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, they also wrote 13 episodes of the Gangster Chronicles. Huh. <laughs> Guess that's the thing. <laughs> and we only really have one main guest star worth worrying about, who is... Uh, Mitchell Ryan, who's playing Kyle Riker. Hmm. Now, Mitchell here is an del- older fellow, so, you know, clearly he's going to be the daddy in the situation. Yes. He's uh, probably best known for playing Brooke Devlin on a 60s soap opera called Dark Shadows that I've never seen because I don't into 60s soap operas. He is also a villain in Lethal Weapon and is uh, also well-known in the 90s for playing Edward Montgomery, the dad on Dharma and Greg. 
Now, uh, Dark Shadows is like a soap opera, but there's like a vampire, I believe. Uh, and then they did like a movie a few years back uh, uh, that some people saw, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you would think some people saw, though. From the reception that I think it got, I don't know if anyone really actually did see. Yeah. <laughs> I know some people that did go out to the theaters to see it, so I know that at least someone saw it. <laughs> Just, you know, not many people. <laughs> Yeah, he'd been kind of in a whole bunch of uh, random things, you know, guest characters usually, uh, sometimes occurring characters like in uh, Murder, She Wrote, um, you, know, you know, an episode of Matlock, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> oh, there's also a, a special hidden guest star today, too. Oh, no, the hidden guest stars. Yes, uh, so we, we run into some, uh, some Klingons at some point here, uh, and uh, one of them is played by John Tesh, the, yeah. uh, the musician. Yeah. Because he was a massive Star Trek fan and just got to be a Klingon. Because you can make anyone a Klingon, really. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, can you scowl? Okay, you're good. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> That's really it. So Yes. Yeah, yeah. We could talk about Ensign Herbert, but why bother? <laughs> oh, Herbert. The great Ensign Herbert. Herbert, who for some reason is is just in the lists, even though he's in one scene where he does the transporter thing, and he's just a random dude who doesn't show up again. Yeah, it's, uh... The actor's been in a few things, uh, mostly guest star sort of roles, but, you know, Lance Spellerberg. Anyway. <laughs> Let's shout to uh, Herbert at each other for a while, Gepwin. <laughs> yeah, remember that? Anybody remember that? Because I forgot <laughs> until I was trying to look up who the heck Herbert was. <laughs> So suddenly we're going to have a lot of musical numbers and it's not as good as the Strange No World episode. So, Herbert. <laughs> and helpfully, Wikipedia is informing me that the title of this episode is derived from Greek mythology. Surprise. We couldn't have figured this out because it's one of the more well-known stories in Greek mythology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, if you're unaware somehow, is uh, there's a couple guys that are like... Uh, stuck on Crete because they've been captured or something like that. And they're like, let's get out of here. And the dad's like, I got an idea. And so they made some, some wings out of wax. And apparently they're good enough to fly out of their like prison, which was like, you know, above ground, not like in a hole or a labyrinth somewhere. Uh, and they start flying away, but uh, the sun's like, Oh no, I like the sun. I'm going to go up there. And because they didn't understand how the atmosphere worked, they uh, went up and the, the wings melted because in the sun they melt. And you yep. get close to it. Because you get closer to the sun and it gets hotter. Because everyone knows the higher you are, the hotter it gets. Yeah, if you're like in space and unable to like venture heat, I guess that could be a problem. But, you know, in the atmosphere, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Icarus <laughs> exhibiting classic moth behavior. Yes. <laughs> so uh, don't be a moth. That's the lesson of the story. Yes. Moths are stupid and they will melt. <laughs> That's that's my takeaway from this this tale of uh, listening to your father. And apparently, <laughs> moths are dumb. So you know, don't be a moth. All right, we can jump in to. Uh, it's not bad. I I have some. I I didn't like this episode when I was younger, and uh, I watched Dharma and Greg before I saw this episode, which always made me think that him showing up was just exceedingly funny. <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, that's it's him. Uh, wait a second, does this mean there's a crossover? Darman <laughs> <laughs> and Greg crossover episode. <laughs> well, there is a Saint Elsewhere connection already, but anyway. 
So we begin, and there's might or might not be something wrong with the engines. Dun dun dun. Theta thinks there's nothing to worry about, but the ship is going to be stopping at a starbase anyway, so they may as well have them take a look at it while they're there, and they do some minor personnel transfers that Picard wants to talk to Riker about later. Cool. Uh, wait a second. Did just a few episodes back, we have a, an episode called Contagion where the uh, ship's computer was like going all weird on them and they're like, oh no, we don't know how to fix this. All sorts of problems going on. Maybe that's coming back. Yeah, that's why it messed up because they had to do a hard reboot and <laughs> whatever. Yes. <laughs> so Picard has Riker join him in the lounge and he starts to wax lyrical about Riker's first day how great it was and how much he likes him because Starfleet is offering Riker his first command ship called the Ares. Another Greek reference. Hmm. Ah. Alternatively, they've played the game uh, by bigger planets back in the day. Uh, The Ares is a small ship that is currently exploring the ass end of nowhere, but it would be his own command. So uh, you'll uh, be able to go to the middle of nowhere and explore deep space and that could be fun. Uh, that's what they're doing constantly. So it's kind of, uh, it's like, I thought in the middle of nowhere exploring new space, not like what we're doing where we're on the frontier exploring new space. <laughs> the enterprise gets the interesting side of the galaxy. <laughs> now the, uh, the gal, the part of the galaxy near the Romulans and the Klingons and later the Cardassians all at the same time somehow. And, uh, yeah, apparently no one lives on the other side of the Federation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's where, like, the, uh, oh, wow, the, uh, the Tholians live and uh, the other uh, folks that we rarely hear about. I uh, guess the Gorn would also be over there. They're kind of relevant currently in the uh, Star Trek discussions of things. Yeah, they just disappeared by the time you got to uh, this era. They, they stopped doing anything. I guess those magic aliens really did keep them separated. <laughs> the Metrons, was it? So. Yeah. Don't want to go that way. There's Metrons. <laughs> that's the problem Every, everything that direction is what we saw in original series I'm like let's not go there it's a silly place <laughs> you know the first federation guys yeah we don't want to deal with them I mean like they gave us Tranya but still <laughs> so they finally arrive at the star base where they're beaming up a civilian advisor to uh, give Riker the details of his possible new crown Riker arrives in the transporter room to find his own father, who he's not spoken to in 15 years. Dun, dun, dun. And who he immediately pawns off on security so he can run away. Well, uh, I guess this is a uh, good show of your uh, ability to uh, handle a crisis, Riker. Yeah, I also really enjoy how, you know, I I know they weren't doing continuity, and I don't think it's important. But I just love that this means he was full on lying to the Klingons about father relationships in yes. <laughs> a matter of honor. It's like, yeah, I'm totally bros with my dad. It's like, what? You haven't talked to your own father? <laughs> Riker, uh, you know, the, if the Klingons ever find out that you lied to them, they, I, I think they're like obligated to like at least punch you or a few times or something like that or go like haha you tried to pretend you had a good relationship with your father you also wish him to die <laughs> you have as much respect for your family as i do is that a good thing or a bad thing i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so wesley tries to bother Worf about Riker and his father leading Worf to yell at him and uh, wesley heads to engineering where the star base 
engineering team are working on the engines, much to LaForge's annoyance, because he doesn't want them messing with his engines. He's just running around. He's like, don't touch it. Just calibrated that. Stop poking things. You're going to mess things up. Get my efficiency up to like bazillion percent here. Come on. Wesley tries to share his concerns about Worf. He said he's annoyed. He's always annoyed. It's like he's more annoyed than usual. <laughs> Usually he just grumbles and slinks off. Now he's like yelling at me and I know I'm Wesley and everything, but still. They suggest that Wesley should observe Worf because he's the one who found the problem. So, you know, he has to take some initiative. And plus, you know, Data and LaForge are kind of busy right now. You know, with their engine problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Riker is now depressed and ten forward, and he's drinking with O'Brien. Riker's upset about his father, who just you know walks in, apparently knows everyone. He's one of those annoying <laughs> popular people. <laughs> Gosh, he's just so popular. Yeah, he's your dad. Why is this a problem? He just... I don't know. <laughs> he also apparently knows Pulaski, who walks up and gives him a big kiss before they sit down. Hmm. Wait a moment. They have a pre-existing relationship? Apparently. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, I guess technically it was baby hinted at when they were doing that, you know, uh, cooking scene the other uh, episode. But, you know, that was more of a uh, you'll blink and miss it sort of connection. Mm. But here it's like, yeah, like this. What? <laughs> Smiker can't stand to see his dad here anymore. And he actively confronts them. He's angry that Pulaski never told him that she knew his father, but of course it you know doesn't just come up in conversation because why would it? <laughs> you know, maybe Pulaski could have mentioned like, oh yeah, I uh, I knew your father. Uh, you know, it's good to work with you. Like you know, day one or two there, but I guess they were dealing with weird child stuff. Yeah, she was famously standoffish in the first episode, yeah. so that we <laughs> would not like her for some. I don't know what that. Still don't know why they didn't want us to like her. Shrug. <laughs> so Riker leaves again. Uh, Kyle and Flasky talk about their past. It's not really important. They're just like, didn't get together because, you know, they liked being in a relationship, but they wouldn't work together as people. And also Kyle is sad that he has a bad relationship with his son. Also, I, I don't remember if it was here or, or a different uh, bit of uh, the episode, but uh, we were it was like the revelation that Pulaski has been married a whole bunch of times. So I'm like, so if you didn't work out with everybody else and you don't think it'll work out with him, maybe you're just a bad judge of what relationships will work here. Yeah, that's fine. Just a, you know, serial relationships. It's fine. People do that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm saying, you know, maybe you got it all backwards and you should just, like, hook up with him. Maybe things will be fine. <laughs> so Day and LaForge are also hanging out in Tin Forward and they're watching Worf stare sadly out of a window. You know... These two, uh, they need, like, more holodeck time, I yeah. think. <laughs> Anyone on this ship needs a hobby. They're all very, very involved in each other's lives. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they're all friends and stuff, but, you know, there's still a certain amount of, I spent all my time with my coworkers as is, I need some me time, um, or time with anyone else. I know it's part of the fiction, you know, constraints here of a TV show, but still... You know, when all the weird stuff happening to the ship happens to the same group of folks already is sort of a given, you know, maybe like have Data and Jordy have like a group of friends that they kind of hang out with as opposed to only each other. I don't know. But then they're the bros. We love our Star Trek bros. Well, you don't have to have, you know, the other group of folks actually have a line. You just, you know, it's like they spend a lot <laughs> of time together and they're bros and, you know, on and off the clock. 
but you know they also have other folks in their lives yeah every now and then in the background you see them hanging out with other yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they could even be doing it as both of them together you know so it's like they're they're the main bros, but they also have other folks that you know they consider mutual friends. That's true. They never even they don't want to put extras next to the main characters in case they like you know get too much in the camera. So yeah. <laughs> so Data decides to go talk to Worf and see if he's lonely. Um, he's not, and he has to be left alone very clearly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> go to hell. Go away. Ah. Uh, Worf later goes to bug Riker in his room, where Riker is. Uh, reminiscing over old photos of his childhood in Alaska where his father was controlling and unsupported. Hmm. Well, uh, these are good memories to uh, reflect on, I guess. Uh, oh, hey, it's uh, Denali. Worf is here to ask Riker if he will consider taking him into his new command where they can die in glorious combat. Oh, well, <laughs> Very reassuring that... there, Worf. Good, good vote yeah. of confidence. <laughs> so you're just feeling extra suicidal today. Got it. Um... I don't know about that, honestly. <laughs> so Riker again sees his father, this time for that briefing they've been talking about. He's not really here for the briefing. He just hands him a file. Hell, really he came here to try to talk, but Riker's like, okay, I've got my file, bye. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if uh, you wanted to talk, uh, you know, I guess there are other ways to do it other than, surprise, I'm here for your work stuff. Kyle goes to sickbay because he wants to whine to Pulaski. Pulaski immediately pawns him off on Troy. <laughs> <laughs> and she just reads him for filth. Calls out his like, weird yeah. competitive streak with his son. He goes to talk again, uh, interrupting Riker and Picard, who are talking about the area's first officer who speaks 40 different languages. Neat. It's a regular Hoshi up in here. Uh, Picard leaves them to talk to each other, but they just fight a bit again. Kyle runs out saying that uh, if him being a dad for 13 years wasn't enough, that's just too bad. Yeah. Like, the 13 years? Yeah. Guy is not from home? even a little bit a good father. Like, not even slightly. It's like, I'm going to treat you like a mini adult. That's how we how being a dad works, right? And for, like, when you're 13, I leave. And if that was enough for you, suck it. Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, Wesley has finally worked out what's going on with Worf. It's the 10th anniversary of his Age of Ascension, which is an important ritual in the Klingon culture. Uh, so they need to throw him a big p Klingon party on the holodeck. Oh, cool. Uh, got lots of blood wine, right? Yeah, probably. Everything with the Klingons involves blood wine eventually. Yes. <laughs> uh, maybe Klingon strippers? That would be an interesting one. They probably just don't take their clothes off and throw things at you. Yes. <laughs> so why is there so many props on stage? So, so they have things to throw at you. Well, come on. <laughs> Can you get to take them home? No. <laughs> So Riker goes to talk to Pulaski since she knew his father and she tells him the story about how she fell in love with him because he was the last survivor of an attack on a starbase and she liked how good he was at not dying. <laughs> so uh, I guess all you have to do to get into Pulaski's heart is live long enough? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I, I'm starting to work out when none of her marriages worked. Yes. <laughs> like, hey, you, who just went through unimaginable trauma. Let's hook up. Oh, wait. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. Also, Riker needs to stop whining. Yeah, but also his dad is also a jerk, and maybe he should just kind of realize that and be okay with it. But, you know. Yeah. You know, we've established our borders, our boundaries here, and uh, 
and I don't feel like dealing with this anymore, so could you just go away? I don't need you in my life. Uh, Riker then goes to Troy. They have a very confused cry because he's leaving, maybe. And also, they still have no idea how to write this relationship. Yes. <laughs> Are they, uh, you know, former lovers, good friends, uh, something in between, uh, something else entirely? Who knows? Yeah, what is happening? Maybe it's, uh, you know, just the uh, weirdness of, uh, you know, uh, someone who's half Betazoid hooking up with someone with a lot of daddy issues. I don't know. So, Kyle comes to Bother Riker again. It really doesn't go well, and they challenge him to Anbu Jitsu so they can fight it out. They just picked a random, cool-sounding martial arts name. Yeah, like, it's like Jiu-Jitsu, uh, but different because there's Ambo in front. Yeah, because you ambulate. <laughs> Which I guess is kind of true. <laughs> uh, before we get to that, Troy leads Worf to his surprise party. He is not happy. But she had to get him to the holodeck sometime where Wesley, Jordy, Dato, O'Brien, Pulaski are all waiting for him in a Klingon hall lined with large warriors holding pain sticks. Now, uh, now Worf, uh, earlier we learned that if uh, somebody, uh, you know, like a certain kind of uh, critter gets hit with one of these, uh, they're, uh, they die and then they're by, by a head explosion. So be careful with that. Yeah, that's just a fun story O'Brien's telling. It's like, oh yeah, I saw somebody's head explode. <laughs> O'Brien's seen some shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, later there, uh, he definitely gets a reputation of being the guy who, who has all the worst things in Star Trek ever happen to him. But that might be like the better end of his life so far, given what he has experienced. <laughs> So, Worf walks in between the two lines of Klingon warriors, um, recites a Klingon oath, sort of, and then gets stabbed. And he does this about five or six times. <laughs> Data explains that the highest achievement of Klingon culture is to express your deepest feelings while in extreme pain. Well, uh, we don't know what he's saying in Klingon, but good on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Worf reaches the end and collapses in front of all of his friends. Very, very happy. Well, uh, glad you are uh, happy, Worf. Um, do you need medical treatment at this point or what? Uh, he just needs wine, probably. <laughs> Seems very Klingon. So uh, Pulaski meets Troy after because she decided to skip the party. They have a talk about Riker and his father. Um, gender-linked traits of violence and how human men never really grow up, and that's why women find them sexy. Hmm. Well, uh, that's a little weird, but okay. Yeah. Get some good old 80s gender essentialism in there. Yeah, that could be how you want to view it, but things could be a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. It's like, why are the silly men fighting each other? We're such much more evolved than that, but you know, I like it when they fight. <laughs> Makes me hard. Well, uh, good on you, but, uh, you know, uh, Pulaski, are you going after older or the younger one at this point? <laughs> so, Kyle Riker and Riker Riker are in the Enrujitsu ring. They're wearing ridiculous plastic armor, and they are carrying stupid big sticks. Mm -hmm. So they can fight in the dark. Which I guess is the closest translation for it. Anbo Jutsu means like staff yeah. fighting in the dark. Now, thankfully, this isn't modern Star Trek. Because if this was modern Star Trek, 
the fact that they're waving these big sticks around, this would be the sportified version of the time that Kirk had to fight Spock with the big Vulcan slashy sticks. Yes. Yeah, and so they would have played the fight music. And I cannot, realistically, given this scene, decide which one of those options would be stupid. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this scene very much feels like a weird holdover for the first season that was also a holdover from the classic series. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, we, we got a weird fight martial arts thing and we're just doing it because that's what we're, we have to do now. Okay, um, cool. <laughs> so they cover their eyes because part of the helmet is a big blast shield thing and they have to fight without seeing each other because when you point the stick at the other person, it makes a little beepy noise. Yes, and I think it's like if you just point it directly at the other beepy noise, you know, uh, you know I guess diode or whatever, uh, you know, it's it's what you get. So, you know, if you like just hold your staff back, you'll never be able to be detected, but also don't know where anybody is. Yeah, so. but they they also never use that because having done a lot of martial arts, um, you, you would immediately hit upon a strategy to hold your stick out to the sides so that when they try to hit it, they aren't hitting directly at you. Yes. <laughs> but they hold it right in front of their center of mass for some reason. Like, I guess it means it's easier to make a swing with, but also it's easier to get spotted and hit with. So Maybe it's against the rules? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you just have to uh, respond whenever you don't get the beepy sound and uh, assume that they're taking the swing at you and just not move, I guess. <laughs> yeah, having the beepy sound is very dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the future, so we have to have some future martial arts. I yeah, guess. future stupid things. It would have been better if they just said, trust your feelings. Yes. <laughs> With a blast shield down, I can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> your eyes can trick you. <laughs> Don't trust them. <laughs> sort of an aside here, but uh, that's kind of what happens uh, in uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z at one point. We're like, Gohan, you, you know, reach out with your, you know, your, 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 your other senses and you know, you'll be able to keep track of the fight and stuff because everyone's like doing their, their crazy fast martial arts stuff here. And uh, he's like, I can't actually see anyone. Oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway. And Riker knocks Kyle out of the ring, yelling that he should have been the one to die, not his mom. Uh, they fight more this time. Kyle Knight knocks Riker down and goes, you couldn't miss your mother as much as I miss my wife because he's a terrible human being. Uh, I guess uh, this does remind me a little bit of the uh, recent Dra Dungeons and Dragons movie to a little bit degree, but uh, yeah, this Kyle's not didn't learn a lesson at the end of this adventure. Yeah, so. the, his entire arc was to learn that he was actually using that as an excuse for his own selfish behavior. Mm -hmm. But you know, Kyle's just like, I'm just gonna be a jerk still. Anyway, <laughs> the fight. <laughs> yeah, uh, they fight more. Riker gets knocked down again, but then he calls foul. Because Kyle was using an illegal move. In fact, now that he thinks about it, he is always cheated. Hmm. So apparently if you do the leg sweep thing, you, that's just forbidden, I guess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Kyle says, of course, because you were better than me almost immediately. I needed to keep you challenged. Hmm. So you cheated. Hmm. So that's just kind of being a jerk. Yeah, this guy yeah. <laughs> is a complete asshole. Yeah, you are allowed to lose sometime, guy, you know? 
you know, yeah. if, if you, know, you could still be a challenge while not dominating every single match. Come on. Uh, Viker's suddenly like, you know what? Glad you came, Dad. I love you and goodbye. See you never. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm done with this. I'm going to do the, uh, the the platitudes and he's gone. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Back in the bridge, they're getting ready to leave. The engineering team from the Starbase found out that nothing was wrong with the engines, just like Data and Jordy said. The crew is vindicated. The crew is always right. Trust of the crew. <laughs> yeah, just you know, just recalibrate the display. It's fine. You know, it's it's something that's wrong on that end and not actually a problem from all the various weird stuff you've encountered so far. <laughs> and then Riker appears, having decided to not take a promotion and just stay on the cool person ship. Well, uh, I guess uh, Riker, uh, you're gonna wait for a more prestigious uh, promotion in the near future, then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I do enjoy, like, there's like seven times through the series that they stupidly do this arc, which is, which I think is dumb because, like, th this is one of your main characters. You're choosing to write this stupid, un unendable conflict in here. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can't get rid of him, yet you keep writing this for some reason, like you can, and trying to make it a point of contention. <laughs> like,. All right, so I, I guess for one, he's the only person that has a you know a career motivation to uh, uh, go up the ranks and things like that, and uh, so he's going to be the only one that's really has this plot at all. Uh, and uh, two, he's going to keep turning his back on it. Why? Yeah, <laughs> in the fiction. Why? I know. At some point, it's just like, why is he doing this? We don't have a character reason why he's doing this. It doesn't make sense. But then also, now that we've gone so much further on, every time he does it, they go, they're going to stop offering you promotions if you keep turning them down. Yep. But apparently he just waits long enough that eventually he gets enough like political cachet inside of Starfleet that they just give him the next best ship after the Enterprise. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you want to be at the top of the line on ships? Well, I guess we're just going to skip that whole intermediary command thing here and uh, just give you the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because oh. Ares wasn't a cool enough name. He wanted the Titan. <laughs> well, uh, a Titan uh, is like, you know, in G Greek mythology still, uh, you know, one of those beings that's like, you know, Kronos, and, you know, Kronos is like Zeus's dad. So that means he's older and thus more powerful, right? Yeah, they're precursor gods. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that means they're more badass than the Ares. Yeah, they seem to represent primordial forces more so than... Uh than like elemental douchery like the other greek gods did yes <laughs> so you know, earth and time and etc and uh, there's also like the uh the hecatonkeries or whatever it was that's uh, like all right it's like a monster and it just has lots of hands like, yeah okay <laughs> greek and roman mythology is what you get when you take every existing bronze age religion and put them into a bag and shake them up really hard yep <laughs> it's like uh, yeah we'll incorporate this guy he seems cool <laughs> So, right, Icarus Factor. Did they did they fly too close to the sun? Um, well, we got pretty close to Riker at the very least, but uh, <laughs> not really in terms of sun exposure, I guess. Maybe we're a little warm? Hmm. It's a sunny day, maybe? This is a continuous plot that, like, I, I kind of hate. I really, really hate. This is a light version of the plot. I've seen worse, but... That this is a plot line that I kind of summarize as you finally get fed up and confront your horrible, abusive, neglectful father that you have hated your entire life. 
And then he goes, but I had a good reason for being an abusive, neglectful father. And you go, I never realized all those times he was hitting me. It's because he couldn't say I love you. Uh, maybe he should have just said I loved you instead of hitting you. Because, <laughs> you know, him, quote, being, you know, uh, unable to do it, you know, in the big quotes there. Uh, that's more of a him problem than a you problem. So, yeah, you can still blame someone for having crappy behavior. Yeah, this is a, a storyline that people love for some reason. It's the, I have been estranged from my dad, or I am a child who is, like, reaching adolescence and, and gaining freedom from my shitty dad. Mm-hmm. One of the two. And that's like, well, you know, your shitty dad was a person, too. It's like, oh, my fucking God. Blows my mind. <laughs> I wouldn't expect this to be a thing. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you know, if it was a, like a plot that was like occasional and other variants that are that are less crappy, you know, were, you know, much more common. I don't think I, I and other folks would have, I guess, so much of a groan, uh, a groaning uh, sort of response to it. But it is just so dominating in our culture that. Yeah, there's a sort of apologism for crappy parents like this that, you know, no, we we don't have to actually put up with this. We can actually, like, you know, (laughs) become independent of this nonsense and, you know, look forward to, you know, making uh, improvements on, you know, know, if we uh, decide to raise a family on uh, how we raise our kids for the next generation as opposed to, you know, just kind of. Being, you know, giving the thumbs up is like, yeah, that was okay. And not really learning anything from it. They feel like they really need to lean in for some reason. Because it's never you as a father were also human and made some understandable mistakes and faced a lot of social and psychological pressures involving fatherhood and being worried about raising a child and bringing them into the world etc and now you regret some of those mistakes and so does your kid and you you deal with them in an appropriate manner because now you're both adults mm-hmm. it's always this was one of the worst human beings alive <laughs> but the kid learns to love them like uh are we all just experiencing Stockholm syndrome or something like that? I, I just don't get it. You know, hey, I, America has this weird obsession with, with shitty fathers. I mean, it's basically our entire governmental system is shitty fathers. Oh, we have to uh, have someone in our life that expresses a strong uh, chidden sort of factor in all of this. And that means that they are worthy of our support and love. And so we're going to support them you know, through thick and thin no matter what, even if it makes no dang sense. So, uh, the, uh, the, the 2024 election. <laughs> <laughs> even this basic idea at the end, the thing that brought them together is him saying, if I couldn't beat you up enough, it wouldn't have prepared you for the world. And Riker goes, you know what? You're right, and I can understand that and love you. Yeah, I would very much have preferred a... Now, I learned to be a a good commander in spite of you, not because of you. And Mm. maybe we could learn that early Riker in his career was actually a a terrible officer that, you know, you know, he was aggressive and, you know, competitive with everyone around him. But then he learned to, like, actually work with folks and then things were a lot better. Yeah, because the the real weird kicker with this is someone who would have that attitude 
Someone who would be like, you know what, yes, my dad was incredibly horrible and harsh with me, but that's just what you need to learn and prepare for the world, and it made me the man I am today. That person would still have a good relationship with their father. Yeah. <laughs> Someone who's maybe experienced, you know, a life where those lessons were not necessary would, you know, look back and resent their experiences with their, uh, their crappy dad. So, you know. Maybe it makes sense. <laughs> Some people use that as a way to apologize for behavior because you don't want to think your parents did anything wrong or negative. So even if they did, if you had otherwise good parents who like made some fairly demonstrably crappy parenting decisions, it's fairly common to come in later and go, well, you know, I turned out as this amazing person that I am now, so all of their parenting decisions must have been good. Because it de me being okay demonstrates this. Hmm. And that's like, that's not an uncommon attitude. And in some ways it's not awful if, you know, you had a generally good parent who made a few mistakes. Yeah. But that kind of apologism does enter into someone who had like a truly abusive parent. Yes. But they don't want to admit they had an abusive parent. So they go, no, I turned out good. My parent was good. I still have a good relationship with my abusive parent. Oftentimes, they're still being neglectful or abusive, even while you're an adult. But I love them. The kind of person who would separate themselves like this would need their parent to deal with the neglect and or abuse that they did when they were a kid. Instead mm. of this weird thing of going, I didn't understand that you had a reason for abusing me. This changes everything. <laughs> Gosh, oh golly. Uh, you know... Uh... I'm now going to accept all the horrible things you've ever done to me because it now has an excuse. <laughs> Not a good reason, excuse, really. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just so frustrating. You know, I, I will admit that, I, you know, overall, uh, you know, I would say that, you know, my own parent, you know, you know, experience with my parents has been, you know, on the positive side. You know, there are things that I think back, it's like, and this maybe could have been done, you know, quite a bit better, but, you know, it's still, you know, not anywhere near in terms of, you know, badness, uh, you know, what we are being shown here. And, you know, there are, of course, you know, parents in the, you know, the world that are much worse than Kyle Riker, but still being a manipulative uh, jerk like this is not good. Yeah, the stuff that they, they show it, like, demonstrably is like, I abandoned my child when he was 13. Uh I have no idea what the age of adulthood is in the Federation, but usually that's a no-no. Well, we uh, sort of experience later that Klingons like become adults at like age eight or something like that. So maybe that happens to humans too. <laughs> <laughs> and he like resented his son for the death of his wife and he didn't want to be a dad and got stuck with it is the thing that he's saying he thought his wife was going to do all the work and then she died and he's like no now i have to take care of a child no well I, and he resents yeah, it yeah. <laughs> oh no responsibilities for something i was involved in hmm. he flat out says if i wasn't a good enough father for you that's your problem that's not how it works. <laughs> and then he admits to cheating at sports so that he can never let his kid win because if he, his kid ever felt like they, you know, were capable of doing things or had a sense of accomplishment in themselves, that would be bad. So, uh, you know, no risk of uh, growing up always feeling like a loser and uh, thus giving up on life or anything like that, right? Not at all. 
And you do somewhat backdoor, like you said, the endorsement of this because, you know, Riker is in a power position. He's he's an incredibly driven person who's advanced massively in his own chosen career, which by all accounts in this world is an incredibly difficult one. Yeah, well, you know, even beyond like the space anomalies and, you know, aliens of the week trying to, you know, eat your brains, things like that, you know, you, there's a certain level of, uh, you know, uh, work ethic that sort of, you know, uh, required in order to get your stuff done here in the uh, the federations and starfleets in terms of uh getting your recognition and promotion here so yeah it's you know very much a, a case of uh you know if you get to this point you you're probably a badass in some capacity we could talk about this shitty trope a lot i don't think that i don't think there's any more ground yeah <laughs> in going over it again uh, not a whole lot i suppose but uh, i guess we could always talk about wharf instead i love that they do with the Klingons through Worf in Next Generation. Because they've demonstrating a culture that is antithetical to modern or even the supposed future values that we see for humanity. Mm-hmm. And yet they all go, we're going to go watch our friend get tortured because it's part of his culture, damn it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's okay with it. In fact, he wants it. So, okay, I guess this is a thing. <laughs> Uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it is also, you know, kind of interesting that, you know, not only is there, uh, this very, I guess, hyper tolerant sort of, uh, aspect to, uh, uh, the, uh, Starfleet and uh, the Federation for all this. Um, but also that, you know, Worf, who has been very much gr- grown up in a human society, uh, is, you know, not only, I guess, uh, you know, eager and desireful of, uh, the, you know, the Klingon sort of, uh, cultural side of things here, but is a okay with sharing it with folks that he knows might be a little thrown off in terms of the experience themselves, you know, given that it's very alien to them. So I guess this is a, uh, a weird sort of two way tolerance, but also Worf's getting hit with pain sticks. Hmm. Well, <laughs> as you see through the, through Worf's various like character arcs in here, He's doing that thing where if, where you take the belief system so literally that it denies exclusion because in his interpretation of Klingon beliefs, being a true warrior at heart is the most important thing anyone can do. Uh-huh. So the fact that his friends are true warriors at heart and his real family, etc., etc., is all he needs to be able to share these deep religious experiences and things. Yeah. We, in fact, don't get a sense that Klingon culture is particularly exclusionary other than the fact that they believe that it would kill a lesser person. Yeah, so, uh, and, you know, some of that is sort of part of the uh, Klingon bravado that, you know, you know, if, uh, you know, the true Klingon warriors are able to put up with stuff, then clearly no one else uh, can. So, you know, it's, you know, not necessarily a we're trying to push you out, but we're, you know, demonstrating that, you know, to ourselves that we are, you know, the badass uh, image of ourselves that we believe ourselves to be. And, yeah. you know, there is, you know, a, a certain level of, yeah, that is kind of true in terms of your ability to tolerate pain and, you know, you know, I guess eat a targ heart or something like that. But, uh, you know, there is still a, 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 you know, a level of, uh, I guess, uh, you know, you know, uh, cultural and self-assurance that's kind of coming into that sort of, uh, uh claims here. And, uh, 
And so, you know, <laughs> whenever somebody who's not a Klingon does a, you know, a thing that's, you know, uh, Klingons, you know, you know, find unlikely that anyone would be able to do, they're like, oh gosh, this is like amazing. <laughs> I now have so much respect for you now. <laughs> Hmm. No, they don't bring Worf and Riker together very much in the storylines. It could have been interesting to get a Klingon perspective on fatherhood, because that would have made more sense on the, uh, your father's job isn't to love or respect you. Your father's job is to try to beat you to death. <laughs> and if you live, you can have him have great honor. Which I guess is a, uh, uh, a, a way to look at sort of a lot of the Klingon stuff in general. Like, yeah, if you survive, you're going to be okay, and uh, everyone will respect you, which... You know, kind of goes into the whole Klingon honor code that we're starting to sort of develop at this part of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, but I, I guess the, the vision of it I would also see is that a, a father of a, you know, in a, in a Klingon family is also there to you know, be a, a guide, not necessarily someone who's just there to beat you. And the beating is just part of that guidance and, you know, sort of program in what they sort of <laughs> uh, have as a culture. And, you know, it might be a uh, bit more loving than the, <laughs> the Kyle Riker sort of version of it too, where, you know, where he's cheating and lying about things and all that in order to toughen you up. No, you'll be like, no, I beat you down because, you know, you need to be tough and I'm going to be very direct with you about this because, you know, I don't want you to be killed randomly by, you know, some background character sometime down the road. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm helping train you to be a barbarian, so uh, I take the hit point damage. <laughs> I do think it's kind of interesting in this episode because, like, Kyle Riker is demonstrating a horrible brand of toxic masculinity, where his own like his own lack of ability to have feelings for a child is making him a terrible father, and he feels in a justified way because the mom was supposed to deal with all of that. Uh... You know, dads can love their kids too, guy. Come on. (laughs) But the other storyline, and a lot of the stuff that you get with Worf, would classically also fall into a lot of the tropes that we think of when we think of toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. Like, the entire idea that the height of Klingon culture is to be able to experience great pain and put up with it in this kind of bravado-y way. Like, well, yeah, that's uh, a bit on the toxic side, uh, because... Really, in order in order to be your best self, you don't, you know, generally need to be uh, experiencing a lot of pain. So, yeah, this is a, a little weird. But you know, alien cultures, you can kind of get away with, you know, a lot of stuff that you wouldn't with well, an actual human character. I think that <laughs> that one of the interesting things that you get with this, even if it was a human character, one they bring in an emotional aspect to it. Because Riker's whole story arc is your toxic father can't experience real emotions and he's a dick about it. And worst thing is expressing your truest emotions while in ridiculous amounts of pain is highly laudable and possibly more honest in some interpretations. uh... But also, Worf doesn't and never either pushes this on anyone or offers anyone disrespect for not doing the same way that he does. Yeah. Yeah. He's miffed generally, but you know, that's not something he's going out of the way to, you know, try to uh, resolve here. Cause you know, he's not trying to push himself on other you know, folks. He just said, uh, yeah, you know, he's upset because he can't do an important cultural religious practice, but like he's not demanding it of anyone. 
He's not making anyone else do it with him. He's like doesn't make any of the other ones go through it, and then they still get to go to the party. It's so non-exclusionary that he has his own personal viewpoint of what makes him a good person for himself, and yeah. we don't agree with all of that, but he doesn't push it on others. Exactly. So, you know, it's very much a, uh, you know, a situation where, you know, you are being yourself and that's okay. And everyone else sort of how you, they interact with it, that's up to them. And they just happen to have made the choices that make war feel better. And he appreciates that, but he wasn't expecting it. He wasn't, you know, trying to, you know, it's like, Hey, this is a thing here. <clears throat> you know, it's more, very much a, you know, I'm going to let this sort of, you know, uh, you know, transpire without me making a thing. And that sucks. Oh, hey, my friends came through for me. That's great, actually. You know, this is this is a bonding experience in more than one way now because, you know, they've uh, shown respect for what I'm about and have decided to participate themselves. That's kind of cool. Um, thanks, guys. Which is exactly why... In this interpretation of things, they're willing to help Worf do this, like, arguably very toxic thing to himself. Mm -hmm. Because it's his own personal choice, it's an important practice for him and his culture, and they know that he's not going to do anything about it to them. He's going to be grateful and, like, work with his friends on being able to do and appreciate this thing. If one of them was like, hey, let's get Kyle Riker and do this jiu-jitsu thing, he's going to cheat and beat them all up. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is a, a a good way to interact with people versus a bad way. So I guess that's the moral of the episode. Yeah. You know, don't, you know, force yourself on other folks uh, and uh, don't uh, cheat at a, you know, sport when you're beating up your 13-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, don't do that. I have that relation. I had that relationship with my father. It's not great. <laughs> I guess I, I, I you know, uh, I, I guess the thing to, for me to say is I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure what else to say, honestly. Because uh, eh, it happens. You know, yeah, it's was, it was kind of already laid out that mm -hmm. there's a lot of people in the world that are kind of crappy dads, and you know there are good dads out there, but it's still kind of a thing, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I guess the thing I would say to people who th who don't think that's a problem, your kid knows you're being a dick. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they might not be willing to say so because, well, you're in a power pos uh, position of uh, power over them. But, you know, when they are no longer having to suffer with that nonsense, they'll let you know. All right. That got depressing. Yeah. Because it always does. Well, uh, maybe something non-depressing for a little while. And uh, uh, oh, I don't have any candy with me. Um. What else do we got, Gapwin? Ah, uh, we could do the Galaxy's Favorite Game Show! Hey everybody, welcome to the Galaxy's Favorite Game Show. Our various contestants have been racking up all sorts of uh, points here today, and we are ready to hand out some prizes. The first one to hand out is the Shut Up Wesley prize, which goes to Worf, because instead of being clear about what was bothering him, he just kind of gets angry at the kid and storms off. Uh, what does he win, Gepwin? Worf needs a please don't touch me, I'm having a Klingon moment button. <laughs> because that would save him a lot of grief in the future. Yes. <laughs> just kind of, you know, put it there next to his uh, comm badge so it's nice and obvious, and then people are like, oh, okay, uh, 
I'll uh, tread lightly around you and, and uh, I'll uh, wait until, uh, you know, it's time for, to introduce you to prune juice, you know, later on. Anyway, our second prize is the TV love story prize, which goes to Pulaski for apparently loving Riker's dad just so much, but it having never really come up before. Uh, what does she win, Gepwin? She wins a cruise for her and Riker where they go sail around and talk about romantic things or do interpersonal stuff. I've never actually seen the love boat, so I don't know what they do, but I imagine it's that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, this is going to be in space or on an ocean somewhere, or maybe a space ocean. Hmm. Yeah, space ocean. Yes. <laughs> Our third and final prize today is the Baffling Martial Arts Prize, which goes to Kyle Riker for introducing us to a supposedly ultimate evolution of martial arts that involves not being able to see things and beeping stuff and sticks. What does he win, Gepwin? I think they just didn't take it far enough. So they need the ultimate, ultimate evolution of the martial arts. You don't get to see, you don't get to hear, you don't get to talk. You're hogtied and put in a bag, and you have to just flop around until one of you gets pushed out of the ring. <laughs> you know, what sort of, uh, you know, secret muscles can you make use of in order to uh, <laughs> knock your opponent around? Let's find out. <laughs> oh, that's all the prizes we got here today. Uh, uh, maybe I should have, uh, you know... Uh, Introduced one about uh, Riker uh, turning down promotions constantly, but yeah, maybe next time. Anyway, <laughs> take us away, Gepwin. Thanks to you, all of our contestants, and thank you for joining us on the Galaxy's Favorite Game Show! I just realized something. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, Deanna Troy, you know, has that conversation with Kyle Riker and she's like, yeah, here's all the problems that you are. <laughs> uh, you know, some of it is she's very much reading him, you know, you know, empathic and all of that, but she's probably heard everything from William Riker already. <laughs> mm -hmm. I yeah. think a lot of people could, uh, relate to that going like no 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 i've dated your kid i know all about what's going on with you yep <laughs> so uh yeah here's all the things that he's willing to say but also all the things that he's not willing to say at this point so uh where should we start on point a or point z <laughs> <laughs> like not only have i heard the stories i've seen what you did to this man's psyche <laughs> i have been all up in that brain and, uh, you know, there's some art <laughs> parts of it that are like, you know, seems nice on the surface, but you just go a little deep in and, you know, it, it makes that time, uh, you know, I got, you know, you know, you know, in tune with the, the weird space jellyfish thing, you know, all that pain sort of levels there seem, seems quite pleasant actually. So yeah, Troy, uh, yeah. kind of has a leg up on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do we got next week? Next week, we have what I think is interesting, because I always remembered this as a slightly goofy, silly kind of episode that wasn't particularly well done. But then on this rewatch, it's like, oh, this episode is that one that the older episode about the Prime Directive should have been. Yep. <laughs> We're actually going to, like, have a discussion about what's the Prime Directive all supposed to be about and uh, what the limits are and uh, all this stuff there. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll actually have some, like, Star Trek stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it has one of the things that I find kind of horrific, and you know, the most horrific in all Star Trek. 
but uh, I'll talk about that then. <laughs> uh, next time is Pen Pals, where Data gets letters from someone who is about to die. Yep. Specifically a small child, so, you know, Picard's going to be scared or something. Yeah, right? scared of children, but also, oh my god, the heart jerking. Mm-hmm. Next time on Watchers of Tomorrow, Pulaski violates a child's brain. You have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come if you enjoy our podcast make sure to subscribe for more and where possible make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review you may find Gepwin on youtube.com slash Gepwin and twitter at Gepwin you may find me Dr. Isix on youtube.com slash Dr. Isix and twitter at IsixLP Music is Waveform and Maury's Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter, that you, that is now, no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs>